0: Hey guys, uh, this is just a little bit of an audio clip before the interview with Eddie Abney. Um, this is the first interview and the first episode of Sunk In Deep, which is going to be martial arts based, a lot of jujitsu guests, uh, probably some MMA guests, people who run schools, etc. And it was a pleasure to have Eddie on. Um, the audio quality is a little bit It's not bad. It sounds sounds really good. It's just uh, I used a microphone. I used the microphone that I'm recording this on between two of us. Uh, I accidentally forgot my power supply for the uh, mixing board that had two mics running to it. So I was down my usual setup. But to be honest, it allowed us to have a pretty organic conversation because we didn't have mics shoved in our face and we didn't have to worry about, you know, having technical efficiency. It was very simple and it was a good conversation and I think it'll sound just fine for you. Uh, but yeah, my guest is Eddie Abney. Eddie and his wife Michelle own the gym Method MMA where I started my journey and have continued uh, the whole time. That's where I train. Uh, Eddie is a black belt under Danny Suarez who is a Chris Howder black belt. Um, and so we are a SoCal SoCal Combat Club is is Danny's school, and we are a combat base uh, affiliate, and Eddie is also a black shirt under Bang Muay Thai, which um, there are not not a whole lot walking around on the planet, so that's really awesome, especially for the MMA world. Uh, Dwayne Ludwig is a is a legend to say the least, and we have the pleasure of associating with some pretty high-level people. And Eddie gave a great conversation. It was a pleasure talking to him. Uh, he's, a, he's a hell of a guy. Him and his wife have done an amazing thing in our area. I actually went to high school with Eddie and we had a good time talking about gym culture. Um, but we, we told a little funny backstory of, of me and Eddie in the beginning, I caught him off guard with a memory I had uh, from when we were in school together and almost got into a fight. <laughs> And yeah, I just, it was a pleasure talking to him. I'm glad I, I was able to, to make that work and I hope to have more guests on in the future on sunk in deep and yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually really happy. Eddie helped me name this, uh, this segment of shows under lost in the deep end. So that was fun. You'll, you'll hear that as the, as the show goes on. So Cool. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that's that's worth noting. I didn't write a bio out specifically, but um, that that covers some of the bases and we talk about some of Eddie's stuff and I'll write I'll write some stuff in in the, in the show notes as well. So uh yeah, it's a pleasure to have my coach on. Enjoy. All right, I'm here with my first actual guest in person. So far I've done all the episodes with Matt Brusler. This is an episode of Lost in the Deep End. Um if you've listened to this podcast, you know that there are sub series there's deep cuts there's uh um Be- to infinity and beyond i wanna get this is the this is the martial arts uh episode and i wanna get that series started i wanna do a few different things i wanna get a fitness thing going and and even if it's a series that maybe there's only six seven eight episodes over the, the span of a year if there's a recurring theme um i'd like to do a sub series so all that can be dedicated to specific uh groupings of episodes uh, i got that from the jre mma shows so I'm, I'm here with eddie abney eddie do you know what i'm talking about with jre mma
1: yeah yeah experience.
0: exactly so he when he has mma guests on it doesn't get released all the time as a as a uh joe rogan experience episode it gets released as jre mma whatever and that actually got me this idea to be like why can't i be a station why can't i be a a podcast that does that with five six seven it doesn't need to just be mma why not just be a, a thing that categorizes their episodes with individual sorts of things
1: it's good inspiration for sure
0: yeah, and I I as if I'm not inspired by Joe Rogan enough. <laughs> I just figured, That's awesome. and uh, you know, of course, I wanted to get you on. Um, for those of you who don't know, Eddie Abney is the owner of Method MMA. It's where I've done uh, my, my martial arts journey. It's where I started doing jujitsu. I've known Eddie all the way back to uh, the worst sport I ever played. The, I I was always good at sports I played. I was not good at football, and Eddie was a, a tough lineman a year above me and you uh you you were one of the people I liked being around you back then um because even though you were like a big strong tough guy and like a good lineman you weren't like a jock to the point where like you hated having this like goofy gothy mohawked Fat kid on the team who just was not one of the guys. I think it's because I hated football equally. <laughs> yeah, you hated football too. I have an equal hate for it as well. Did but. you play football before that happened?
1: Uh, when I was younger. I played football when I was like eight years old. Like something yeah. like that. I, I was into like baseball, football. And then I just kind of got out of sports. Like team sports was never for me. I think that's why I excelled in martial arts.
0: Yeah, and uh, speaking of, this is actually funny, and this is not something we've really talked about. This is, I feel like I got away by the skin of my teeth one time with you because I was just a very, um, I would say combative. I still am in ways, and I need to, like, check myself a lot and make sure I'm, like – being a positive person to atmospheres and not just like getting it in getting into it with people but like growing up I liked the idea of always having somebody that I'd want to get into a fight with or or whatever and there was a time it wasn't even because of you you were friends with people that I had a disagreement with and you got pulled into that and I was just like anybody who will fight me I want to fight and I was the, also the type of person that thought everyone was lying and I remember you at the time had started doing some boxing and you knew a little bit about boxing or I I want to ask you about that. Like if that started off or, or like what maybe that journey obviously is something we'll talk about, but this just goes to show a little bit about me and the nature of Eddie knowing the, like what he was able to do. He showed great restraint because I know he could have just knocked my, my clock off. We had a moment where none of his friends wanted to fight me. So I just made it about wanting to fight Eddie. Essentially, that's what I did. It was a total dickish thing to do and I just kind of singled him out and I called him out and I I basically made it seem like I didn't think he was what he said he was and I even like confronted him one time. Uh, do you remember this at the top of Dude,
1: St- I, I literally forgot about that. It, it, you started talking about I'm it. I was so like, holy glad. shit. I've like, never brought funny. this up to him. That's so funny.
0: I remember like when I first started like getting, I remember there were people who, when I knew you had an MMA gym, we, we made him, well, I reached out to make amends and apologize one time when I sent a couple buddies to method. I was like, Oh, you know, you're interested in MMA. Go check it out. They were coming to a gym. I worked at like a, like a weightlifting gym at the time. And, uh, that's how we first had a yeah model a and that's how we first had a conversation i believe they had kids that might have started up well anyway i reached out and i was like hey look i'm sorry about what happened you know it's no it's whatever i I got into it with a lot of people growing up i don't remember exactly what i said but i was like you know so so we haven't talked about it since i joined it method but there was a time where i went to try to fight you (laughs) at the top of the steps and you're like i I was like i was like uh, i was like i found him like out on going to class, I think the bell had just rung and I saw him at the top of the steps. I said, I said, Hey dude, we're going to fight right now. And, and, and you're like, dude, I don't want to get into a fight with you, man. Like if you said it in a way where it was like, not the typical, like I'm a scared kid sort of way, but it was just like, you knew that I didn't know what I was getting myself into and you didn't want to prove the point. And it probably helped that it was at school and you probably were like, I don't want to get suspended over this, you know, sort of shit, you know? I would imagine – well, I don't even know if you remember. No,
1: no, no, no. Take so, it from there. No, no. So I remember that uh, actually. So um, no, I remember I was walking down. I think it was like I was going to science or something and you were coming up the steps. Mm-hmm. And I remember – I remember – so that was like right around the time I started boxing. And I remember – like I think I started boxing like maybe like three or four months before that or something like that. And I had been sparring and stuff like that, and I remember me thinking, and especially now, because I, I I still think this now when I have new people coming to the gym, um, because I like I look at like you look at someone who doesn't train or has has not really experienced everything the training has to offer, and it's almost like you feel uh, bad for them, like like that they, like they're not a hundred percent aware. Of what they're getting themselves into so like what i mean by that is like when you have like a white belt come in and they're just they're getting ready to roll and you can see in their eyes that they're like just ready for something that they think that you know there's a possibility that they're going to win and in your head you're like dude like you're not going to outwit me you're not gonna you're not gonna beat me to the punch i've been here a million times or or i've i've experienced this already I know what I'm capable of. Do you know what you're capable of? type of deal. you know what I mean? Whether that be with sparring, jiu-jitsu, whatever. So I remember, I remember like having a really long conversation with the guy that I was doing my boxing training with at the time, who ended up moving later. Um, but uh, I remember him talking about like fighting outside the gym and stuff like that, and how like people just have no idea, like they don't know what they don't know. And I remember just like – I remember you saying that and then I'm I'm pretty sure that what I thought was like, all right, well, I could do this right now and I could look like the tougher guy, bigger guy, whatever you want to say and get one in and win right now or I could like spare this guy and just, you know, not – introduce it so rudely yeah <laughs> you know what i mean because right. like now I, I mean i used to be full of piss and vinegar too like especially starting out like back then like because you know we used to do like the boxing fights in people's yards at parties and stuff like that and
0: yeah
1: um i remember like very vividly like hitting people while while training like and you know boxing with gloves on and stuff like that thinking that was safe nowadays i would go back in time and kick my own ass for doing that 'Cause I mean, that's very, very dangerous when people do that. And um I don't know, you just you, you look at you look at it like uh, or at least I did and do look at it as like uh like you have no idea. You know what I mean? Like you have no idea what's getting ready to happen. And like I guess somebody who I guess doesn't really value uh or has maybe has lower moral standing or something like that would have probably been like all right now here's my time like i'm gonna like wreck this guy Yeah, you know i've been I mean? waiting
0: for this moment he yeah here like something He's like that asking and, for it but and
1: i was never really that vindictive in that sense i never have been um i've been like that while competing right i have been like that while competing and like i still feel uh you know like an asshole here and there uh you know about certain things i've i've uh done in competition in the heat of the moment or whatever but like i mean um you know it is what it is yeah but either way that's funny like i totally like i don't know i totally like dismissed that and forgot about it but i do remember you reaching out and i remember being like dude it's really not a big deal at all like we were high school kids or it's that's funny
0: it it makes me think of like how like I, i was the like tony soprano is allowed to kill gangsters But he no longer is just allowed to kill, like, normal people. You know, (laughs) you graduate to, like—and I think most people feel that way. It's probably a beauty about martial arts that a lot of people don't realize because it only takes one bad egg to abuse their power and abuse their knowledge to make it seem like that is fighter's period. It only takes one guy to go out and want to fight somebody at the bar. It only takes one person to do that to represent um, everybody— but I would say what happened to you and, and, and me at, in that staircase when I basically was just standing with my, with my arms down, um, you could have just just knocked my, my clock off. I was standing there talking trash, egging you on, squared up, flat-footed, arms down, uh, inviting you to hit me. But once you were in that circle where you got a taste of what reality was – I I I could for me I I describe it like the same reason you probably wouldn't want to hit a girl, right? Yeah, and then eventually if you're a big strong dude, you might not want to hit a real puny scrawny God, guy, yeah. right? Absolutely. It becomes like that for anybody who doesn't train unless they are really asking for it. Like yeah. they attack you, they attack people around you and even then you just can't help probably, but want to handle it in a way that isn't that like that that child who just dreams of of handling situations like they do in the movies yeah. and a bit more calmly well more... and you think to yourself too,
1: you know like like that like like all right, so let's say I, let's say I do do that, let's say I do like just floor somebody then I mean at, in that moment, I look like the tougher guy. But then people find out oh but he boxes anyway, right so now I'm a bully now but all right but he he trains boxing so that's not as impressive you know what I mean and so now it's like I don't know it's like uh if you if either one of us get into a fight right now at the average show at the bar who thinks it's hot shit at the at the moment for people that don't know us we look awesome but for people that know us it's like what are you doing dude like it's like what are you what do you what business do you have doing that to somebody who has no idea. Like that. That's not a win. Yeah that, yeah. that. That's definitely a big step backwards. You know what I mean?
0: A hundred. A hundred percent. And. So I wanted to I, I thought about that. I was like That's so I, funny. Yeah. I totally <laughs> I, I figured it would catch you off guard. I was like I oh, not off guard in a bad way, but I was like, he we haven't had this conversation no, since I've been coming funny. to Method. And I was like, oh my god, what an opportunity to bring this that, up. No, that's awesome. I love and, it. And and it was it was, it was a cool moment because it was like the first time somebody didn't want to fight me. But not out of fear, or at least without of fear of losing. I'm not saying there's no fear of ah getting in a fight in school, or like parents getting pissed off. Like there's a lot of things going on in people's heads. Like you said, maybe even fear of looking like an, an asshole for for abusing this power that you were you were you know you heard your coach's words, all those sorts of things. But but it was the first time where I could just tell, okay, he doesn't want to not. Fight me because he's scared of fighting me, and I, I definitely, at the time, even then, I respected something about that, and I could tell that, you know, you, you it definitely gained some interesting, it was a unique respect for somebody that you went from wanting to fight, not having the fight, and I was like, okay, I, I'm, yeah, we're we're good, I, I, I'm not gonna poke at this guy anymore, and and it it, it handled things effectively. Um, I want to get I want to get right into to MMA, jiu-jitsu type stuff. Um, you got into it at a pretty young age. Like as far as I know you talked about boxing some at the end of high school.
1: Yeah, but that was like that was very minimal. I boxed for about a year and a half and then um, you know, after that and, and and that was just that was a cool experience, but it was never my main goal. And um, I got into boxing because when I started watching MMA, all you heard was, oh, this guy does boxing and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Boxing, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You heard Muay Thai a little bit, but you didn't really hear, you know, um, usually when you heard Muay Thai, it was like about a specialist. Um, or or a guy was a wrestler. Or a guy was a Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Um, but the best guys at the time, at least around the time that I was introduced to it, because I was introduced to MMA at an early age, not training, but watching it. And it was kind of like this taboo thing. It, you would only see it if you saw somebody who had a VHS of it and it would be at their house or their uncle's house or something like that. So um, ironically enough, the f- first fight I ever saw in the UFC was Vitor Belfort and Vanderlei Silva. And I watched Vitor Belfort d- annihilate him in 44 seconds. Um, and in the buildup to that fight on the video I watched, it was on a VHS tape, Uh, or maybe they recorded it or something. It was at my uncle's house. And uh, they said that Vitor had boxed and he was a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu under Carlson Gracie Sr. So I was like, okay, well, I want to be like that guy who just did that to that other guy. So I have to box and I have to do jiu-jitsu. So I got into boxing with the intent of it being more geared towards eventually MMA. I had no idea where there were any local jiu-jitsu schools back then. So boxing was easier to find, so that's when I got into boxing, and I boxed for about a year and a half ish, maybe a little bit longer, and then I got out of boxing um, because I decided to do a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu tournament at um, Essex Community College, um, and uh, it was totally different experience. So like in striking, they talk about like setting the knockout up, letting the knockout come to you for me, jujitsu and grappling in general, you are in complete control of that knockout. You know, from my experience, you can walk somebody into a problem that there's bad decisions, no matter which way they want to solve it. And you can catch a submission and you can be, it can be done like that. And um, I love that. Like there, because it's really, that's not about luck or chance. It's 100% setups and how well you know the game and it's like you can you can trap somebody really quickly and really easily or it can take you some time but you can still do it and you can control that knockout you know through submission chains and things like that so to me grappling was very very attractive from the beginning and then you know um i don't know i don't know the training of it everything about it just totally just caught me like it it, it i was hooked from the first day
0: yeah, I'll tell you, you bring up a good point that I think a lot of people don't um, r- realize about striking, especially from a fan's perspective, is no matter how good you are of a striker, especially in MMA, with those little gloves, with the cage, mm-hmm. um, with, with the adrenaline, with, I mean, you know, you, you plan for a strategy. If somebody comes out there, um, if, if you watch MMA, it's almost like, and this is recent MMA, Michael Chandler, Dan Hooker. Who do you think probably is the more technical striker? Well,
1: I mean, stylistically and statistically, you look at someone like Dan Hooker, who's taller, longer, um, you know, you think, you know, oh, taller, longer guy, all he has to do is stay on the outside, control the distance, use kicks, keep Chandler away. Chandler just comes in hard, boom. Boom. And then done. Like, it only takes one.
0: Yeah.
1: Especially for MMA. Now, again, I don't want to confuse, like – my love for jujitsu as like a um, a knock on striking. I absolutely love striking. I'm in love with that as well. But um, what I mean by that is striking to me, in like for me, learning it in the beginning was a lot harder than learning jujitsu. So like when I talk about how much I love jujitsu, it was only because it came to me so much more naturally than striking did. Striking, I've had to work my ass off to get where I am now and I'm still not as comfortable with where I am now as opposed to where I think I could be. So, um, you know, and that's, that's one of the main reasons that I got with, that I got with, uh, my striking coach Dwayne, because it's like, you know, um, I, in my opinion, he's the best striking coach in the world. Um, and not just my opinion, that's the world's opinion. But, yeah. um, you know, I think that, to me, it's just I have a really high level of respect for elite strikers. And in MMA, yeah, you are right. Like, the little gloves, I definitely think can take over the pace when someone's trying to be too technical. I saw it with Gokansaki Saki in the mm-hmm. UFC. And, like, I was watching him expecting, like, just easy highlight reel finishes and knockouts and just steamrolling people. And I have a lot of respect for, for Saki. I think he's awesome. He's an awesome striker. He's an awesome kickboxer. But, um... You know the little gloves make a difference.
0: Yeah, and you saw that in Pride. You know, you talk about. I know you're, you're, you're a big MMA fan. I also want to say too. I will cut an intro that that goes over like you know you're you're. you're we'll, we'll get into talking about Dwayne. We'll talk about the, the the Danny. We'll probably talk about a lot of your lineage. But yeah. in the beginning, there will already be some sort of things about you, Michelle, your 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 credentials with things. So yeah, no, uh, no by now, people do know that uh, you will be. You're a you're a Dwayne Ludwig affiliate that that our that our gym is and and that sort of thing, um, but I do want obviously I want to get into that. Uh, yeah, you saw that a lot. Be, you being a big fan of Pride, it's like when those guys came over from K1 and they went out there. There were some K1 guys who got knocked out by guys who were just almost brawlers. Yeah. Just and 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 you're right. It's not a knock on striking even from my uh, point of view either. It's just. When you are a lights-out grappler, like you said, every direction you go, jujitsu is going to make it worse for you. When somebody has good jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. and they have superior jujitsu, every direction you go gets worse. And yeah. there's no real ability to just bite down and throw your God-given natural whip into somebody and end somebody. You can't... You can't um almost I don't want to say fake it, but but you can only go so far with natural ability and athleticism in jujitsu. Yeah. It would take insane parity. Whereas Whereas in MMA, I mean, you get these guys out there, you know, whether it started off with Tank Abbott, I don't know what his boxing skill was, but I mean, look at Chris Lieben. You get these guys who just have an ability to eat a few shots, bite down, and throw a few punches. I mean, the way Chuck Liddell fought in MMA, you would think that yeah. that, that would not work
1: in boxing. No, Chuck in, Chuck in boxing or, or Muay Thai. I mean, he's he's over. Yeah, I mean, you would I mean, think that's for, for sure. That's done.
0: Yeah, you would just think, "Oh my God!" Wide open, and and how's he gonna land in a boxing shell? And you know, because those big gloves. For me, the thing I notice the most is. You start to understand why there are good and, and and you don't you don't preach things like trying to fight with your hands down and doing all that sorts of things because obviously that's a bad habit, that's a high risk, but you start to really understand once you start striking why MMA fighters kind of fight the way they do, why Connors like wide hands and why there's so much more head movement, single strikes, less less hanging in the pocket and throwing long combos. Yeah. Um you got to be really, you know. What do you think the difference between MMA striking and and striking for kickboxing or, or boxing is not something talked about a lot. But no. what do you think feels different in MMA when you know?
1: Well, I, the obvious thing to me is the threat of the takedown. So, like in Muay Thai or in boxing, there's zero threat of somebody just coming in and double legging you and dumping you in your head. Um, you're not gonna be, you know, pushed against a fence and you know worked over with cage work and clinch work and dirty boxing and things like that you don't have to worry about you know anybody touching your legs in that sense so the reason i mean that's the reason that mma has the lower stance you know that that's the reason a kickboxer will have to stand way lower than what he normally would something like something like k1 or muay thai they're a lot more upright they're a lot more um like uh you know posture driven i would say in in k1 or glory or you know, Muay Thai, traditional Muay Thai, um, you know, there's, there's no threat of any takedown. So the takedown changes everything and it adds so many variables to the game. That's why you have guys like, um, you know, in my opinion, not just because he's on, you know, he comes from the same, you know, Muay Thai or kickboxing lineage as me is, uh, you know, I'm I'm not trying to play favoritism, but. One of the better level changers in the game and guys who are so unpredictable at what he's going to do, whether taking you down or striking is Dillashaw,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. is TJ. And I think that like the reason he's able to do what he can do is because everybody, he's such a good, he's a good wrestler. He's a, he's a good, he's a, he's a great wrestler. He's a great striker. And he's really, really good at getting you to question what he's getting ready to do next. So a lot of guys will either freeze in their tracks or they'll just cover and eat whatever he's getting ready to throw. You know what I mean? So like and that's not the yeah. only thing those aren't the only two things that he's really, really good at. But those are the two reasons I think that people have to worry immensely about what he's getting ready to do and about, you know, where his feet are going and where his head's going and everything because it's it's so hard. Like he makes it so hard to predict. You know what I mean? So definitely the threat of the takedown, I would say, is one
0: hundred percent the reason that the striking is vastly different. Do you think that that there are guys who are something that I, I kind of I only have such an eye for it, and I've only done so much, despite the fact of having a few fights. I've only done so much little glove sparring that it's hard for me to really tell how effective is the idea of shelling up to avoid getting punched in the face in MMA. I
1: think it's terrible. It's I tough, mean, I, right? I think, yeah, shelling up. I mean, you know, if you when you learn how to throw a punch properly. Shelling up is virtually useless anyway, because when you, when someone's shelling, they're open somewhere. They're usually like, if they're covering hard to the front, they're open, you know, up the middle, like underneath the arms or around the sides, If they're covering hard to the sides. They're usually open up the middle, you know? So covering up in MMA, I think is a really, I I don't think it's useless because people get away with covering and shelling and things like that, but they're usually never standing in that one spot for, you know, more than four or five seconds. It's usually when they're pushed against the fence and they have no other option. That's where you see a lot of guys covering up. Most of what we're seeing now are like parries, so where you're making contact, collecting data that way, or head movement, or not being there anyway. That's why, like you were talking about Connor with his hand, with you know hands down reaching, he pulls your lead hand. It helps that he's a southpaw. Um, it's 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 a different type of rangy game, but it also comes down to footwork and head movement everything comes down to footwork and head movement and striking. And then especially if you can kind of, uh, understand the system, so to speak with striking defensively and offensively, and you can kind of see and study opponents the correct way. You kind of know what their tendencies are and what they're going to throw anyway. So it Mm -hmm. makes it that's, I think that's why the game is way more intelligent now than it was when I started And, and the, the era that I watched growing up. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, Three completely
0: different times. It's almost hard to watch. I love old MMA. You know, oh, I, I grew love up it. on it, and I still put it on. But it's almost like, as somebody that's, uh, it, it's like I, I almost don't want to be influenced by some of the bad things that you see back then. Just how much the sport has evolved. Technically, and the strategy for MMA, it's just... It's come so far, like you said. Just such smarter things. Um, I mean, I know Randy Couture really changed a lot. And there were... There was, like, the Boss routines And and there were, like, the people that, that definitely had a very intellectual game that you think would hold up. But, man, the sport has evolved in, what, 20, 20 years? It's just been...
1: Boss is a ninja. That yeah. guy, he... So, um so again, like I I come from Bang Muay Thai, so it's definitely it's Boss written inspired from Dwayne Ludwig. Yeah. You was know, his coach. Um and so like Boss, like even uh, to me, like the strategy that Boss talks about and like the way he approaches fighting, I think is it's genius, especially from a coach's standpoint. I think he's a very <laughs> good coach as well. Um and you know, everybody knows Dwayne is also. Um it's you know a lot of the guys from that era know their game has has not held up at all i do think boss um is not one of those guys i think he's one of those guys that where he's he's definitely still relevant for sure um 100 i if i mean if i had a fight coming up i would definitely use him as well but i get what you're saying about that era of guys like a lot of those guys like those the specialists from back then you know um The Mark Coleman's, I mean, Mark Coleman was amazing for his time. He was absolutely amazing for his time. I think somebody coming in with just wrestling now, obviously, would would not do very, very well. Um,
0: Coaching has evolved a lot since then, too. It's not just the athletes. A lot of times, I think it's if you took those athletes from back then and plugged in modern-day coaching, that would really solve a lot of the gaps. A lot. A lot of the gaps. Well,
1: so speaking from personal experience... Me as a coach, I am, I'm still, again, I'm still, just like I talked about with striking, I'm nowhere near where I think I could be yet. I say yet because I will get there. Like I will get to where I am comfortably, you know, as confident as a lot of the other people are that I've coached and cornered in myself, feeling that about myself when the time is right. But as a coach now, compared to just five years ago, I am worlds better than what I was. Any coach should be. Any legitimate coach who cares about his or her own understanding of what they're trying to coach and choose to kind of step outside their comfort zone and realize that they don't know everything and and they look for people that do know more than them and are willing to admit it. I think that they have, there's only the only way to grow is up in that sense. And I, I, because of that, I feel like, you know, I I feel like I'm a way better coach now than I was, uh, like I said, just five years ago. So I know for a fact that if you were to take modern day coaching and apply it to those older athletes, I think it'd be really interesting. That's that's a really funny point. Yeah. You
0: know, a lot of those guys who were really good back then strategizing, it almost seemed like they did it because they were good coaches for themselves. It was almost like they were coaching themselves. Um, yeah, it, it it definitely. It's crazy to think that just in five years, like you said, you know, you you've seen that much change. Um, I, I want to talk about culture for sure. Yeah. Uh, and and gym culture. And we, I, I travel. I travel all the time. I'm I'm grateful that I'm able to do it. It's not even, it's not even like that. I travel because I feel like I need to go other places to get all these different looks, all these different things. It's just a hobby for me. I like the social thing. I like walking into a new gym. I like what it takes to show up at somebody else's open mat, have the target on your back and feel comfortable, you know, going through that situation. It's kind of like competing. So it's awesome and this kind of ties in with culture that that I mean the times are changing in general like that kind of stuff. You kind of go with the times. Society changes, gym cultures change, sorts of things. Like 15 years ago, I wouldn't be able to do, not even whether or not I was at a gym that would allow me, other gyms wouldn't allow me. And if they did, I probably would get like injured or something bad would happen. I've experienced that. Yeah, and what do you think makes Method, our gym has a very unique culture, um, what do you think, I don't want to put you on the spot and try to like make make like a big broad explanation and sum it all up in one thing, but what makes our culture so damn unique? Because there is something very specific about our gym, all the individual styles, this sort of like melting pot sort of thing. There is something that unifies all of us. Yeah. There's definitely a toughness when you show up for like, when you show up and get rounds in with our rolling room, the, but it's not militant. It's not like what you see at some of these schools where it's almost like a cultish sort of thing. There's like a, it, it, maybe it's kind of what you would expect. I don't know if it's like a Brazilian sort of, it sounds like how some people are as far as, you know, it's like a hangout and like fun. Um, it, we mean business, but we have fun and we're just tough and we, we, we love to work. But what makes method, method, culturally?
1: Well, I think you already said it. I think the fact that I've always treated it like it's a melting pot. I know that I don't know, like me personally as a coach, I do I know literally everything? Absolutely not. Not one human being on this earth can honestly say that they do. But um, I think what makes our gym so unique is that I look at it as our gym it's don't get me wrong. I have, there were, you know, there were times where in the beginning I chose to skip a meal cause I, I had to, cause I didn't have, you know, that much extra money left over. It's, it's not like that now, thank God. But you know, what, uh, again, like I know that I'm not gonna say that. I'll just say that our gym is different because um, I look at it as it's for everybody. I have an open door. Like the gym is an open door policy. It has since day one. Um, I I will never turn. I mean, with the with the exception of something breaking like a, a moral standpoint that I might stand for or something that you know could cause harm to other students or something like that. There you know. There's a very short list of things that I will look at as being like that's a line you don't cross for the gym.
0: You it, let me train there. <laughs> no, <laughs> I no, haven't but, got kicked no, out but, yet. But that's so. the thing. Like, like you're
1: not you're not harming anybody else. There's you know there's nobody getting hurt. Nothing like that. Like, but I look at the gym as like you know I'm not blind or deaf to anyone else's style or method, so to speak, pun intended, of doing anything. Yeah. That's why we have you know, three or four different coaches at the gym that all have completely different styles. Like not one not you know, not one person is the exact same. And I'm totally okay with that. Because, you know, styles make matchups. And I think to me, the most one of the most fun things you can experience in a in a room full of rolling is when you have to worry about and I'm sure this is like this is other at other gyms. In fact I know it is for sure. But in our gym you have specialists at certain things and not any two roles are the same so when you're rolling with for example when you're rolling with me there's a list of things you have to worry about that are different than when you roll with Kev or when you roll with Manny or when you roll with Ellis or when you roll with Tyler or any of any of the higher belts Michelle Rachel uh any you know you Any of the higher belts at our gym, you have to worry about something totally different. So not one role is not any two roles are the same. Greg, yeah, there's big big John. I mean, it's endless. Yeah, I mean, it's all very, it's all very none of it's cookie cutter esque. Now I do have a system for getting people from like white to around purple belt, but usually around purple belt, it's all about you know, you know, I'm 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 not militant, but I'm I'm very systematic with how I like to teach white belts blue belts and then get people from blue belt to purple and Then around purple if, if at that point you don't know what your style is. I feel like I Have have either done something wrong or there's maybe something I haven't shown you that's kind of sparked what? You how you feel yourself like moving, you know, the direction you feel yourself moving towards as a grappler um, And even and striking as well. I feel like striking is just the exact same way I feel like at a certain point if You're doing both consistently and you're still not sure of what your a-game is. I feel like there's something off there So I try my absolute best uh, To give people as many different looks as possible Because I know that not any two people are the exact same and no one's gonna think the same way that I will I mean, they'll, they'll have the same tendencies But they're not gonna think the exact same thoughts at the exact same moments that I will and I'm in complete understanding of that so everybody is gonna see different opportunities as a different direction to go. So I think that that's what sets our gym apart. I'm not so militant to where I say, Oh, well, if they put their hand here, you have to go for the Kimura or you have to go for the arm bar. You have to do it for the guillotine or, you know, front headlock entries or whatever. I am very like open as to like how people move, what their body type is. Cause we have a bunch of different people at the gym. I mean, there's almost, you know, we have hundreds and hundreds of students. So like, you know, you have to, you have to be systematic in a way, but you also have to be a little bit more free thinking and a little bit more open to showing people different ways of doing things.
0: Yeah, and and for people listening who just know me from my Instagram and see me putting all this stuff out there, like, and think that I'm some, like, you know, not, not a world beater, but they, they think clearly I'm this really good. I mean, we have, we must have, not only do we have 10 guys who probably would beat me, Um, as far as like on, on, on a given role, um, there's probably 20, 25 people who, who can challenge me in ways that sometimes not, not, not that I don't find when, I mean, I go out of my way to travel to certain gyms where I do get challenged in ways, but I mean, we have a deep talent pool. And when I first started, when I first started, there wasn't a black belt. Now, part of that was because Paulo had, Uh, you know your your coach back then had some visa stuff and he wasn't able to rank everybody up but still there was a black belt i believe michelle was a brown belt eddie's wife um and and she is a black belt now they're both black belts under uh danny suarez um which is combat base uh chris howder affiliation but when i first started like it's crazy the way it grows. Like you understand why only so many years ago, there were only so many black belts in the States and now it's just everywhere. It's flooded. Yeah. And, and we are no exception to that role as far as like, God, it's crazy to see the growth. And I've only been coming there just over six years in that amount of time. The amount of people who have turned into, I mean, shoot, what would be uh some of the best some of these guys are so good that that 15 years ago you could send it back 15 years ago and they would be like... They'd have a black belt. They'd have a black belt right away. Yeah. It would just be like, oh my God, who is this ninja? Yeah. And then every gym is getting... Yeah. Every gym gets better. Every gym goes gets up with the times and all that. But we just have such a, a unique thing like that. I, I always think that. And I remember a time... And this was like... This stuck with me where... I remember you saying that about Purple Belt. Like, you know, you got to find your own identity. Hopefully you've had a game. Hopefully you've seen a path that you like. But I remember there was a Purple Belt who... um after he got his purple body he was trying to discover his game. And I remember it was cool because... And this is nothing against 10th Planet. I know you have a lot of respect for a lot of 10th Planet people. But I know that, like, with it being the hot topic and, like... It was like a fad everyone was talking about 10th planet when it got big at first and 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 i know that that you probably thought that somebody who gravitates towards it might think it's a little bit like it's it's almost like this shortcut that isn't actually a shortcut it's not like you're just going to be in you know there is there is no shortcut right but i remember somebody saying they were really getting into 10th planet style stuff in front of you and you were like that's awesome if you like that they had just got their purple belt and you're like that's awesome you to do now is the time you find like you have this you have this base you have you have this understanding of the sport you need to find what you like you need to find your game if you haven't found it yet now is the time and you were very supportive of something where like if if you're not into that, a lot of coaches would be like, you know, fuck that bullshit, fuck, fuck ten planet, blah blah blah, yeah. blah 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 blah, and just have a chip on their shoulder about it. And like you said, there might be times where we speak. I mean, I don't want to say like hyperbole, like it's not fact. Like there are times when you're coaching, you say, oh, you don't want you, you do this, you're going to get caught in this, you do this, like as if it's fact. But it is like, it's always more about percentages or like, I like this option because of this. Yeah. I like this because of that. But but if you needed to show how it would work the other way, mm-hmm. you would be able to show a way yeah. using good jujitsu. So it's like there's a reason you teach a white belt to turn in instead of turning away. Yes. There's a reason you teach them these things. But the same way you teach jujitsu is... is There's always a way to use good jujitsu in almost any direction, I think, and that's something with all these different styles that we understand as a team. um, That I know a lot of other people do, but it's it's something that really defines us. I want to. This is uh, unless you have something else you wanted to say about that. I want to ask you something that. You probably can relate to me as far as like, I always get told, oh, you know, you're so strong. You got so much pressure because you're big, What, blah, blah, blah. I always hear that. Mm -hmm. Do you get tired? And I don't mean, I mean this with all seriousness. I've been around a lot of athletes. I've trained people strength and conditioning. We've done some sessions. I grew up playing traditional sports. I know the way people's brains work. Is the reason you are able to, I've never seen anything like it, the way you can watch a combo... You can watch a fight. You can watch a round. You can see somebody do something, and you know it. Like you, you can now do it. You now understand it. You told. You said earlier how how boxing took you a while. You had to work really hard to get where you're at in boxing. Um, as far as like you know, you put in a lot of work to feel good, and you still feel like there's a lot more room to, to grow in kickboxing. Is this just accumulation of studying, of years of experience, and the way your brain can work, or do you honestly think you might specifically be some sort of uh, high sort of functioning when it comes to the ability to see this stuff and break it down? So, what makes you you? In so, that me way? and
1: Blondie, and Blondie is Michelle, talked about this earlier today, and not about this specific thing, not about me specifically. Um, I mean, I think she'd probably want to kill me if it was about me. But at, like when we're talking about people learning, let's let's say let's say striking. So the other day, I was given um, I was given this this young guy Jeremy a a private lesson, and I do private lessons with him jiu-jitsu, muay thai jiu-jitsu, muay thai jiu-jitsu, muay thai like every other one's jujitsu everyone wants muay thai if you haven't gotten that already. The the let this particular lesson I was nitpicking on his footwork and how he was moving and what he was doing with his hands, like things like that, like very, very baseline level stuff. He just started. And this kid in an hour, when the hour was over, looked like, like, you know, uh, someone who had been at least doing boxing or Muay Thai, like the way he was standing, the way he was moving, he looked comfortable in his stance looked like he was just totally comfortable in his stance and he'd been doing it for at least, you know, 6 more 6 months more than he has. Yeah. And I remember I showed Michelle his footwork and she she was like, "Yeah, he's got it." Like like it just appeals to him naturally. Like Nat, he's just natural at it. Like he he just that he looks that way because he's supposed to be doing this. I think that the people who you see and you hear about who start and they just pick it up and it's just quick and they understand it and they just take it and they run with it. And they have, it what feels like years of experience, like decades of experience in just a few years. I think that that's where they found, like they are, they found their match. Like they're, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Like they are in the right stream of life, so to speak, to where, There's no fighting the current. They're just going with it. Like they're, they just found what they're supposed to be doing. I do feel like that is the case for any super, like you said, high functioning martial artist that is able to just learn something. And just from being introduced to it, they just pick it up and they go. It's not, they're not running with it. They're sprinting with it. They're in an exhaustive sprint with it that is where they found they found what they're supposed to be doing like they just found something that matches their physicality athleticism their understanding maybe they're more visual verbal whatever the case may be physical maybe they have to i don't know drill it or whatever but i feel like they are they're that's just something they're supposed to do and it's just matching what however people listening want to take this universe god whatever natural selection has just found like, it found them for them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that is just something that they're supposed to experience or do in their life. doesn't necessarily mean that this kid's going to turn out to be a Muay Thai superstar and go on to win a belt in any one organization. He, he probably won't ever fight. He doesn't need to. I, I think he wants to, like, do something with with cars. He wants to work mechanically. But, I mean, if he's good at it and he has it in his back pocket for a rainy day, so be it. You know, I'll dump everything I have into this kid. Like and anybody I train, I'll dump everything I have into anybody I train. That reason is because especially if I feel like it's something you're meant to be doing and that's something I feel like every one of my students is meant to be doing, it will take some longer than others to get it, but they will get it. But the ones that pick it up, like you said, like how I can watch a combo and just do it and how I can see something and just do it, it's not that I can just do it. I am nonstop thinking about it. Like I sit up every day, every night, and I am nonstop thinking about training, how to structure training, how to structure training for a white belt, a blue belt, a purple, a brown, a black. How to get somebody to a you know high level black belt in the shortest amount of time. Like I'm thinking about that kind of stuff constantly. Like I can't turn it off, and it, it's been like that since I threw my first punch. Like in boxing, when I first started training, I was like whoa, like, this is awesome. Like, I think I just found my inspiration for what I'm supposed to be doing. And I just so happened to be lucky enough that I make my living on that now. You right. know, and I, I, I know how, mu- how much luck went into that as well because like, you know, I didn't just have a successful gym overnight. I did that. It was not overnight. Me and Michelle worked our asses off to get where we are. And it took a lot of years to get where we are. But, um, you know, to me, it's like, you know, it's the same thing, like same thing I said about dumping everything I have into my students. I'm also trying to dump everything I have into improving myself as well, because the more I learn and the more I understand about how to teach and how to work with different people of different backgrounds and things like that, the better of a coach I become. So the more people I can help, right. you know what I mean? So it's like almost like, I'm it's not just me. I'm just kind of like a conduit for it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I just kind of found my purpose.
0: That makes total sense. I, I can you know where I can relate to that with uh jujitsu? And 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 striking as well. Um I noticed that I have a very tough time paying attention and like focusing on very complicated drills and like it would take me a lot of effort, like with like the Bang Muay Thai drills, I, I love it, but I just notice that I struggle to remember and think of these long combos more than the average person. And and same thing with certain jujitsu chains, certain things. It's not a cop-out, but then again, a lot of us do come up with cop-outs to not do things we don't wanna do, right? Yeah. So it's probably just me like trying to convince my, or like just, it's almost selling myself short, I know in a way, because I haven't unlocked that vision or that desire, that strong desire like I should as a dutiful student, but, I it clicked when I discovered conceptual jujitsu for me, thinking of that one little mini game. And and uh, we had um, Nick, uh, brother, yeah, yeah, yeah I just hate saying his last He's name, a stud, yeah, and um, he he touched on a lot of that and the alignment principles and all that. But what I've noticed is even though I love that stuff. And I think that makes my game, it light click. Like I can take a concept as far as you could possibly take it. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm s- staying up at night thinking about. Uh, just the idea of balance, the idea of ener- the energy battle. Like these are the things that fuel me. And I, I, I use them to fuel the ju- what little jiu-jitsu and what, and what little striking and boxing I have. But like just the basic things in a boxing match of, you know, if you circle to this way, you ice the lead hand you can throw this one down the middle you know you can you can throw the hook to the outside of the lead you you, you can there's like a little games that you can play in the sport for those of you who haven't thought of this way and, and what I like is we get some of that but it's not like you try to make everybody learn that way because not everybody thinks that way yeah. some people need to learn a different way like like you said everybody thinks differently And it's cool to get little tastes of all these different styles, and it's cool to see the the willingness to, to change from like the types of series we've done training wise to all right this day and even if we say like sometimes it's like oh you know we're gonna start doing things this way it's like you're in the middle of working this stuff out it's fre- you know it's what you're passionate about it's what you've been thinking about and if somebody pushes you in a different direction intellectually you're gonna take us there with you yeah. so at times it seems like it's this it's this. It's this like flow that maybe to somebody who comes in for a few weeks, they might not see the structure there, but it's this beautiful willing to go in any direction, whatever you've been learning from, whatever you feel inspired to do. I can, that resonates me a lot as a strength and conditioning coach. Yeah. Because I might say to people, all right, I want to get into warming up every day with empty bar good morning, empty bar this, empty bar that, but then I might be inspired three weeks later in my own practice, my own thoughts to do something different. And I'm not going to be so glued to that structure I projected a few weeks prior. And I've noticed that you're willing to kind of like if you learn some new sort of idea for think of some sort of new idea for flow rolling or Manny comes in and shows this thing that he did with with this guard thing or whatever. You're willing to go there. And when Nick came through, it was like, all right, we're going to talk about alignment. We're going to talk about power position. We're not going to go all in and just make that our new thing. But it was like, it was the perfect balance of all that. And, and I really think that that has wore off on me, and it, and it works great, despite me being kind of the concept guy, which is cool. I get to kind of be that role. At times, I need to remember when I'm given information, hey, it's not the end-all be-all. Hey, don't think that, that what I'm telling you, I, I know I say it with confidence. I know I say it with conviction. It, yeah. it, it's not like this is going to, nothing's a shortcut, like you said. Yeah. But But there is, like, when you are passionate about something, I say it like, When you're solving problems in the middle of it and you share that information, it almost sounds like you're like giving them all the answers. Like you're solving jujitsu in this one thing. When you're feeling it and riding it and you're relaying information, like sometimes when you're feeling like back take stuff and you're talking about the back and you get a roll, like I'm not just saying that because you wrote that post lately. I've Uh, heard you do it before and explain it in ways about the back where it's like, oh my God, that is a way. That is like, it's not all of jujitsu. So it's definitely not all you need to know. But it, the way you convey it when you're feeling it and riding that wave is like, man, you're going to really like, you can take this and run with it. This one little thing that we went over, you can just take it and run with it. And you can be a straight up, you know, killer with that little bit of information. Oh, yeah. And it's cool to be a part of that ever changing sort of um I don't know the e- ebbs and flows if that's a legit uh, thing to, t- to talk. As a matter of fact, I want to say, too, in future episodes, I, I, I not only would I love to, I'm sure I'll be able to get you on more regularly. I would love to spend an episode, say, just talking about the back. Or not just, but, yeah. like, the idea of, like, things that funnel to, from, about it, historically, other people who do it. But You know, I, I think it would be fun to really – because the whole idea of lost in the deep end – is yeah. taking things deep, going yeah. in deep. So like this is a general episode with you. You're you're you uh, my coach. You're, you're uh, you and Michelle are the owners of the 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 gym that I train at. Um, I mean Michelle's my coach too. Uh, but it's like I want to do like a general sort of like yeah. anything. But eventually I would love to just take a couple things really deep, because um, that's like the beauty. I think of it like, have you ever have you ever had this thought with or like. Maybe maybe this is a good question and I know we'll probably wrap it up soon but but um like I noticed this somebody can shoot pole and they can get better for 5 8 10 years a bowler can get better for 8 years at just that one movement that one thing they're still refining their game they're still refining their vision and you you have a million things you can do that with in jiu jitsu I think that's
1: why people can grow so so it can grow infinitely because, again, there's so many variables, not just for jiu-jitsu, but for MMA as well. Striking, same thing. Wrestling, same thing. I'm finding that out now because I'm delving way more into, like, wrestling for MMA. And, like, there's some really cool stuff coming down the pipeline as far as, you know, with what I'm working with the pro team right now and a lot of the guys on the pro team. But um, I think with jiu-jitsu, because there are so many variables and there's so many ways to win – you know, and, and, I mean, not to shit on other other sports or anything else like that, but, I mean, there's only so many ways, I mean, you can win at pool. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. And, like, same thing with, like, bowling. Same thing. Like, the goal is simple. Ball goes down the lane, knocks down all the pins. You can learn different ways to, to you know, to pitch. But at the end of the day, you're throwing a ball to the catcher. The batter's going to try to take a swing. Like, there are... So many different ways to win in jiu-jitsu and somebody can be up by you know, 10 points get caught in a submission Matches over a basketball team cannot be winning by 20-30 points with 30 seconds left in the game. The other team shoots a certain way Gets a basket they win instead that cannot happen in jiu-jitsu that can so that's constantly being broken down and explored a lot of these people at the earlier levels are going back and dissecting small little movements like or even 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 big movements back takes guard passes sweeps reversals pins takedowns throws whatever and they are drilling the hell out of them for hours and hours and hours on end a day to the point where you're seeing people make progressive jumps that are huge and like again one of the main reasons you can infinite you can get good at jujitsu constantly and there you know there are so there is a such thing as a diminishing return over over a long period of time i've been doing jujitsu for 15 years now and it is you know there are no no drastic diminishing returns but there's only so many ways you can apply rear naked choke there's only so many so many ways you can apply an arm bar but it's getting to them is what can change So it's not really like the destination that changes. It's just the route that we can take. And we're discovering new routes on that map, so to speak, in jujitsu as to how to get to those destinations. So it's like, it's, um, it's really, really cool. But one thing I wanted to say about the, um, about concepts versus moves versus chains and things you touched on earlier is that I think what is different is how you, how you said you learned conceptually michelle does the same thing my wife can learn a concept about something and start looking at like eight different ways to apply it and i cannot do that i i can't learn that way wow. but what i can do is i can see a series of moves submissions submission flows a lot of which i got from eric paulson um and you know like danny suarez like he is a fucking straight up ninja like I would say Danny is responsible for taking my jiu-jitsu to where it's at now, 100%. Like, Danny, I owe him a lot when it comes to jiu-jitsu and grappling and understanding things and understanding people and their styles and things like that. Um, but I feel like I learn inside of that movement. at Like, how you were talking about where to disperse your weight, how All to right. pin someone correct correctly, and things like that, and, like, learning concepts through that. I learn... The concepts of moves through doing those moves you know what i'm saying like if i I so for example i showed two different types of guard passes today one beginner level and one intermediate level in the fundamentals class today so when i was showing the guard passes i showed something very white belt very basic and then i showed okay if the person on bottom does this this is how we're going to respond but in that move i had to stop And I said, does everybody see where where my shoulder is, where my toes are, what my knees are doing, how I'm grabbing his lapel, things like that, where I'm, where I'm dropping my weight. Through showing people those moves, I'm learning where to put my weight. I'm just by the placement of my body, but it's registering instantly. So like it's being collected immediately. So the next time I roll, I will probably do like, have you ever noticed how when I show something in a class? If if it's it's a a guard pass a pin and like two submissions or three submissions off and like chained together, I will do that exact thing in rolling right after. Yes, I've noticed. And I will do it to literally everyone I roll with. I will. I will do the same pass now. Not, not as easily on some as others because of the skill difference between the different grapplers in the gym, but I am teaching myself like constantly through doing those moves as i'm sure other coaches probably do but i don't learn through a concept i have to see a move and i have to drill it and i have to teach it and i have to do it and i have to do that over and over again and then over time i will oh okay i can probably put my knee here for a little bit more weight i could probably drop my hip here for way like you know way more isolation on their hip i can probably get a baby hook you know with this cross face they can give me way more shoulder pressure than it ever could before if i just do it like this instead of this but i'm learning inside of the move right. so it's not it's the concepts are the big picture for you right and the moves are the little pieces inside of that picture the it's like the frame is the concept for you what's housed in that frame are all your moves for me the moves are the frame and all the concepts are part of that big picture So like I'm learning while, you know,
0: that makes total sense. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I've never thought of
1: anything like that, but it makes total sense. If you think of it like that, like, you know,
0: that, that definitely, it it definitely explains what gives your moves an extra element. It also like, it's that, it's that refining your drills with this little gray area of like that conceptual application to it it's definitely what gives you a unique um game but that that was really cool to hear you say because I had never thought of it like that before and you're you're definitely right about that um and that's cool to think about your game that way because I'll tell you you have a tough game to figure out because you're so well versed do you think that it's been coaching. When I get lazy, it's not tough.
1: <laughs> when I get lazy, it's not tough. But when when I'm on, I'm on. I know that right. for sure. Absolutely. What were you saying?
0: Um, it's something that, that I wonder a little bit. Because uh, like, all right, as a strength and conditioning coach, I try to be that guy that can show somebody almost any option that they could then take and run with, right? And you, like you said, we have the ability to show everybody all of these different options all of these different ways of learning, all these different directions you could go. But because I'm in that role of coach for strength and conditioning, I haven't taken something in strength and conditioning the way I've taken arm triangling people in jiu-jitsu because I'm not trying to coach everybody on arm bars. I have to go over them, Plata's all these different sweeps. I have a very weird reversal and escape game, but it's because I haven't spent so much time getting good it sweeps i might get to like deep half or i might come up into a dog fight but that that's really it i haven't had to to learn all this different stuff do you think coaching like like i know you've taken a lot of things very far but do you think having to know a lot of everything has made it where you've tunneled in on less things and you more are forced into this jack of all trades role you mean for my own game or just in yeah, general teaching? Yeah, for your own game. Like, like, is there something you feel like you continually take into further directions for your own personal gain? And maybe it's like, obviously you can teach it and you can share it. But do you think that you kind of are forced in this position as a coach and thus as an athlete to be just extremely dynamic, extremely well-rounded, the person who can do a little bit of everything? I know how to wrestle. Boom. We're going to get a judo guy in. I'm going to learn judo. Am I going to learn it to the extent that I would as if I was just training for judo? Of course not. But could somebody take to it and only focus on that for a while and take it and run with the stuff that we go over? Of course. And that's kind of what a lot of us have done individually. It's not like we're the school without a leg lock, uh, anything. It's not like we're the school that only goes into this guard style, whether it's that thing we call the best damn guard, the deep path, the, the, um, you know, the, the butterfly stuff we do all the 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 x guards daily he was whatever you have to know it all
1: yeah i mean honestly i think any really good coach should because i again i've taught guys that are six seven 170 pounds i've taught guys that are six eight 520 pounds they are not the same people they do not move the same way i've taught guys that are five four, 140 pounds i've You know, I've taught one of every person you can possibly imagine. I've taught people with, you know, um, severe disabilities. I've taught people that have, you know, uh, two fingers on one hand. You have to know ways to make it for everybody if you give a shit about everybody. Now, if you're only interested in your style and how you operate, you're going to push one agenda and everybody has to jump in line, but that's a very single-minded like very narrow-minded type of perspective. And maybe that's what some people need to be able to teach to be proficient at teaching. I want to reach as many human beings as possible. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that is what I'm supposed to do. I know for a fact that I am supposed to affect a lot of people's lives in a certain way through martial arts. I truly believe that's my calling, 110%. And I will like die believing that. But when it comes to teaching, I want to have an answer for anyone that's willing to ask. And I feel like if I don't, that is a problem. That is a huge problem that I would have as a coach or someone who's going to call themselves a coach. Now I might not be amazing at all of those things, but I do, give a lot, I do give everything the time of day. Like when it, to, when it comes to striking, when it comes to jiu-jitsu, I will not just write anything off before I, you know, I won't just write something off without studying it and then just shit on it for no reason. I will give everything an honest look and an honest like deep dive and I will try to explore it the best way I can. That way if I do have a student who is ultra-flexible and can make use of rubber guard, which not everybody can. At least I can give them a solid jumping off point for it. And a solid way to intru- like to kind of connect it to what we do. Mm-hmm. And I mean, maybe it'll help them get better at it. Maybe they'll catch me. Maybe that'll force me to have to learn more about that and make me better at that. So like one of the things though that I was constantly told by one of one of my first... Yeah, so, so my first jiu-jitsu coach ever was Michelle. I do accredit her with giving me a very solid fundamental game, which is responsible for why I think I can learn so easily a lot of different things because it was so generalized and so like hammer driven into my head to do to do things a certain way. A lot of defensive grappling, a lot of the way I move is accredited to her. My second coach was Paolo. Paulo introduced me to what sports jujitsu is. And he, he took me pretty far with it um, until I until I ran into Danny. And when I ran into Danny, I was just like, whoa, shit. Like there are huge gaping holes in my game that, are, that I just need to fix. And if I don't fix them, I'm not going to be comfortable with calling myself a black belt one day at all. I will not be comfortable with it. So that's why I gave Danny literally everything. I was like, man, you are the most sound technical grappler I've ever gone with. Danny's the only person who can literally beat your ass after an hour and he's not sweating yet and he's just getting ready, but, and he won't let you stop. He will not let you stop and quit. Like if you say, all right, I'm tired, I'm done. uh Uh-uh, we're going. Like you're coming with me. Like we're going on this thing together. Paolo though, when I first started with him, he made a comment to me that I, that I took and owned immediately because I took it as a compliment. I don't know if he meant it as a compliment at the time, but long story short, he brought four different guys in for me to roll with. We were getting ready for a tournament that was coming up. Um, it was I think it was in this was in two thousand eleven, um, so it may have been uh, an ADCC qualifier in New Jersey, and maybe it was two thousand eleven, or maybe it was. I don't know. Uh, I think it was two thousand eleven. He's, he brought in four guys for me to train with at the gym that we were training out of in New Jersey. And the four guys, I'd like, and I was, my heart was pounding. I'm, like, looking at these four guys, and I'm, like, I have no idea what rank these guys are, because it was no-gi. And he introduces me to them. We all shake hands. We're talking for, like, five minutes. Then Paolo leaves the room. Paulo walks back in, like, five minutes later, and he goes, all right, everybody here is going to roll with Eddie. And I'm like, oh shit! I'm about to get my ass beat. Like I'm, I don't know any of these guys. I don't know what their skill levels are, whatever. And again, I was a younger grappler, so to speak. So I was like, really like, um, like my nerves were like through the roof. I wasn't showing that, but that's what I was feeling. And it was a bunch of different positions he would start us in, and I caught and subbed everybody like within. Like he, he, we were going to go for three and four minute rounds or something like that. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Um, I think it was like three or four minute rounds. We were going to go each. Cause I remember thinking like, all right, it's going to be at least like the next 15 to 20 minutes. It's going to really suck until I get like, you know, a really good handle on how these guys move. And I just subbed everybody, swept them, subbed them, whatever, like passed their guard, took them down, however you want like, whatever you name it, I did it. And then afterwards we got done. I, I did, four, I did, you know, four rounds, they were short rounds, but it was just four short rounds because I, I subbed him and another guy would come in and then we did that. And he goes, all right, four more rounds, four more rounds. I did that three times. And then he told him to leave. He was like, all right, you guys leave. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're making enemies. Like what, no, like, no, I want to train with these guys. If you're going to bring them in to train with me, like, let's train. And he said, uh, nah, he said, no, nah, they they can't adapt, and you're you're too you're versatile," is what he said. He was, and I and I said, "What?" And he was like, uh, uh, versatile, like you're able to, like you just go where they need to go where you need to go to beat them, and then that's over." Now I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just saying what he said.
0: Right, right.
1: And um, I was like, "Oh, I'm versatile." You yeah. mean you mean versatile? And he said. Yeah, like you play different when you need to, like you just play different, and All I right. was like, oh okay. I was like, thank you, and he goes, no, no, not good, not good. I was like, but you, I thought, <laughs> I thought that's why you said, I thought that's why you told him to leave, and he was like, he was like, no, 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 I want you to be good at this and this, and 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 Paulo, I love the guy, like I truly do. I miss him. I haven't seen him in years, but um, he, uh, when he said I was versatile, I took that as a compliment. I was like, oh wow. He goes, no, 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 you're not going to be as good. Doing that you're gonna have to learn too much and he explained it over time and what he meant because as he, as he stayed his English Just got better and better and better um, I have no idea what it's like now But uh, either way when he said that I was like, oh, so I'm adaptable like okay So he means that I'm showing promise from a bunch of different positions So I shouldn't really hold myself down to just any one thing I should I should probably try to learn as much as possible because I don't ever want to be in a situation where I don't know what to do. I'm really uncomfortable with that. I'm immensely uncomfortable with that. Um, sometimes I'm a little too comfortable in certain spots and I don't need to be, I I should just step on the gas more with certain things in jujitsu. But, um, I found comfort in, in what he said. I was like, Oh, okay. So I'm showing promise in these, in a bunch of different areas. So that's why I try to learn as much as I can as much different stuff as I can. It's not that I don't have faith in any one style. I just really truly want to see as much as I possibly can before it's over. You know what I mean? Yeah like I really truly like I have a deep respect for martial arts in general, but when it comes to to sh- like you know BMT and jiu Jitsu, our style of jiu Jitsu, I just want to explore and see as much of it as I can because if there's something I'm missing and one of my guys, athletes, fighters, whatever, grapplers misses something because I didn't know about it or whatever that will not sit well with me. That will eat away that will eat away at me forever. Like and so so to answer your question about a jack of all trades um I yeah, I, chose, I don't like to specialize in any one thing. I have my A games of where I like to go, but I do want to feel comfortable everywhere. I don't ever want there to be a, a spot or a position in a role where I'm just like, oh, shit. Well, got to leave it up to chance now and hope this guy makes a mistake. I don't ever want to feel that. I hate that. I hate that feeling. So um, that's why I chase that, who I credit a lot. I give a lot of credit to uh, Eric Paulson for, for – giving me a lot of information because, I mean, have you ever been around Paulson?
0: No, I mean, I see his videos. I've I've learned some of
1: his stuff, but I don't know. When you learn something from him, you learn 15 different ways to do one thing and 15 different submission chains inside of that one move that can lead one way or the other. I followed him and chased him for years um, and learning just different ways to catch people, pass guard, throw somebody, take somebody down, arm bar people. I mean, it was just like a ton of information. I did that for almost 8 years. And it was like mind-blowing to me. But what helped me is I would learn it, then I would go teach it. I would learn it, then I would go teach it, and I would just like regurgitate all this information. And then till one day, I remember somebody asked me a question about like Kesa or something, like the the hidden armbar from Kesa Gatami. I showed him and I was like, yeah, you can do this, and you can do this, and you have this option here, and you can do this. I start doing that and I'm like, wait a second, I remember, I know all this stuff. Like, it's just stuck, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, I can do it with that. I can, I can, I can do it with anything. Like I can do this with, 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 with guard passes. I can do it with front headlock entries. I can do it with throws, takedowns. So, like, yeah, like I, because I, because martial arts means something to me, I think that's why I can retain it. Now, you asked me something about math, fucking lost. Right. I'm totally lost. Like I'm not smart when it comes to books in school. I did terribly in school, but martial arts, man, I'm your guy. Like, I, I know that for a fact, like I am very comfortable and confident in saying that. Like, um, so yeah. So when you were talking about like Jack of all trades, something I heard Greg Nelson say, another coach I have a lot of respect for, who I met through Eric Paulson, um, he's cornering, uh, one of the corners in Rose Yunus' corner, him and Trevor Whitman, I believe. Um, tonight something i heard greg nelson say and there's a shirt that i i had i think i gave it to danny uh whitenack when we were wrestling uh, when he was teaching wrestling at the gym i think i gave it to him because he loved the saying so much and the shirt shrunk and didn't fit me but he said uh, you can be a, a jack of all trades or and a master of none or you can master a few and jack everyone
0: <laughs>
1: and he, that was told to him by like some high level wrestler i forget the story but Uh, well I heard that I was like, yeah, so I don't need to know everything. I can just know like, you know, a handful of things and I can just like mess everybody up, but that's not me. Like that's not who I am. And I'm more than comfortable with owning it because I can see something done and I can learn it very quickly. I can be on it like, like that. Like, so, you know, I'm I would rather be like that in my head. Like I'd rather be like that than just have my A game and then have somebody take me out. Because regardless of who you are, you know, whether you want to be, I told the fundamentals class this today, regardless of how confident you are in your whatever, your takedown ability, your guard passing ability, your sweeping ability, whatever that specialty is in jujitsu or Muay Thai or whatever, regardless of how good you believe you are, Somebody somewhere is going to take you to a realm within that subject where you don't want to be. Like they are going to put you in a in a spot, in a position, in a pin. They're going to sweep you. They're going to throw you. They're going to dump you in your head. They're going to, they're going to catch your arm like we were talking about earlier. They're going to put you in a spot where you are not as proficient as them. And it's going to be up to you to navigate that. It's not a question of, well, of if it's always when it is always when. And like, so that I think my curse with that is I get too comfortable, like in certain spots. Like I get to the point where I'm like, all right, well, I'm not scared of what this guy has from here. So I'm not, I'm just not going to fight so hard. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to let this guy try his best. And then when he figures out that he doesn't have it, I'm gonna. That's when I'm gonna move. And I get lazy. Now, this is not all the time, but I've I've discovered this about myself in competition. Now, very, uh, very, very recently, I have really learned how to check myself with that. Like when the last gi tournament I did, like, um, I did way better in that gi tournament than I did my performance before, because I just again it had been now again it had been around six almost seven years since I had done a, like a nogi tournament at that point, because I just like, you know, I just teaching and, you know, my family, the kids, everything. Like I'm, I'm not going to sacrifice time with my kids to, you know, cause you only get that one time you get that one time and you're lucky with however much time you get with it. But, um, you know, it had been a long time since I had competed, and I hadn't had the chance to really check myself mentally with that. And I remember I got caught with a with a dumbass straight ankle lock, and I was like, "Wait a second, I, I wasn't defending. I wasn't even moving. I had I had zero worry, like zero worry of any threat, anything." And I'm like, "Wait a second, that's not. I, I shouldn't do that. Like that's that's a terrible, I'm setting a terrible example." So the most recent e tournament I did, I was like, "I'm never ever taking my eyes off the prize. I'm not." Hanging back and just not fearing somebody else out of, you know, arrogance, I would say that I'm going to be fine regardless. You know what I mean? Right. So like, um, I don't know, like, I just that that really, that kind of like forced me to do that. But um, yeah, I don't even know how I got there. That was no, a long explanation. It,
0: it was the versatility thing. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I look, I could have a million uh, questions for you. I'm excited to do this again. Um, one day what I should do is I should just set up at the gym and, and just have a bunch of the guys come in and do episode after episode and just record a bunch. Um, I want to touch on something. I want to end on a a question, but I I want to have an observation here too, because you made me think of a lot of things in my own learning. So like Paulo, a guy you respect a lot, a great teacher of yours, you learned something from him and out of... It's not out of spite, right? Right. Like you didn't like say, well, you called me versatile, but you said it was like a bad thing, as almost like challenging me. And there's a lot of truth to what he said, but at the same time, it wasn't true to you. So it almost showed you a direction you could go, even though he was maybe saying that's not the easiest path. It goes to show you that like you can learn. From, you can learn from so many different examples through so many different things, and once you unlock something that is true to yourself, even if somebody says it backwards, you know? Like, like for me, I remember when I first started doing arm triangles in mount, there would be people Not you, but some people be like, hey man, you know, you're not going to hit that mount. You should step out to the side. But I knew what was true to me was staying within a position. I had secured that position, so I'm just going to sink into submissions from this position that I have secured. And that was true to my game. And it was like not learning out of spite of what somebody said, but it is. Sometimes somebody gives you a suggestion or tells you something about yourself, and it's almost like, you know, hey, you're a competitive person, you're a fighter. Now it's yours to prove them wrong. Oh, yeah. Now, now, you know, and and that's good. A a good teacher or coach would be proud of you for standing up for what you believe in and and, and trying to prove and, and, and be passionate about that, despite whether or not they suggested maybe going in a different direction. Yeah. So that, that is awesome. I wanted to say, before I forget, too, um, I wanted to say when we were talking about the culture method, because that was like the, the, the general big opening, and you talked about having a little bit for everybody, it, it plays into being versatile is, you know, despite the aura of what you might see when you look at my feed with all, all of us just rolling all the time, going hard, me, you know, Kevin being the way he is, all of us being the way we are, it is an atmosphere and 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 I do want to say just a couple things too like about the gym it's like this is the place and and we're at a time now where anybody can walk through that door they're going to have the right partner they're going to have the right rolling rounds they're going to be considered and 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 their path their vision is all of that's going to be considered and everybody should feel comfortable in our if you're going to feel comfortable at any gym that does this sport, you're gonna be comfortable at, at our gym under our way. And you know, I'm not I'm not saying everyone's gonna have the best fit or whatever, but but there's something unique about that all-inclusive, versatile, general style where it's like uh it allows for this self-discovery, uh, almost a combat of something, like going in the opposite direction sometimes of the way things are presented, being an against the grain rebellious sort of thinker, rebellious sort of mentality, like any way is allowed to thrive and there's a, a platform for it.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of that, I, I doubled down on that when we had, when I, me and Michelle had kids. Like I, cause I want like, um, when you have kids, everything changes everything now i'm not saying i was a militant prick before i had kids but I, I i don't think i was as good of a teacher at least four kids before i had kids right. like i always question that i always question if someone's like uh now there are outliers you know like chris at the gym i know people that don't have kids that are amazing kids instructors because they just they are on that mental wavelength like they're big kids right. so they make good kids teachers but they're in that sense like sometimes like um You know, sometimes people without kids, they don't really make the best kids instructors because they look at kids as being like, uh, you know, well, uh, you're still not thinking, you know, so clearly. So you don't really need to see a hundred percent of this move and you should just, you know, do your drill and play your games and I'm not going to correct you if it's wrong or something like that. And to me, I'm like, no, like I want to know like one word that, that rings home with me when it comes to what I want people to feel through walking through our door. Is significance yeah every person that walks through the methods front door or back door or whatever side garage door they walk into because it's basically a pavilion when they walk into that building I want them to feel significant because I want my kids to feel significant like I want them to grow up around people in a community that accepts them for who they are how they are and I want them to be able to bloom that way but I want that for everybody's kid like I want that for my kids for sure like 100% but I want that for every single human being because it's like you know why the hell else are we here you know what I'm saying like now this is going way deeper than jujitsu but I'm just saying like and this is way deeper than striking this is way deeper than martial arts in general but like at the core of who we are as human beings, one of the number one things, if not the number one thing we need to feel in this life is significance. So if I can recreate that and give it to people walking in the gym, I want it to be their escape. That's why there's almost 400 members at the gym and only a you know 30 compete in jujitsu that actively compete. That's why only 12 fight in MMA. It's such a huge margin of people that don't compete, but they don't have to, Mm -hmm. like, I don't force that. If they want to, I will force them to do it at a high level. Like I will want that for them because I want it to work for them. But like, why do most people come to the gym? They want to learn self-defense or they want to be in shape. But really what they're seeking is significance. That's what they want. They want to feel wanted they want to feel needed. They want to feel like they're a part of something, and they want to feel like other people identify like them. Like they want to feel like I belong, and these people don't think that I'm any different than
0: them. Yeah.
1: So it, imagine that's just,
0: just as important. Yeah, they're but just Im- as important. Yeah, but you know? imagine walking into a place that you felt less than everybody else. Some 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 gyms might do that. I think but, it's less and less now. But yeah, a lot a lot might do that, right? Yeah. You know? But like, so like my kids like my son, my daughter, like I
1: want them no matter what they want to do in their life, one they have to train at least until they're 19. Like I don't they don't ever have to be black belts. They don't have to do that. They don't have to teach. They don't have to take over my school. If they don't want it, they don't want it. I'll I'll give it to somebody else down the line. If my kids don't want to do that, which I think one of them probably will want it. But and and the other one will probably want nothing to do with it, but it's fine. But, you know, I want them I don't ever want them to feel like they're, they're by themselves in this, in this world. I don't ever want them to feel that way. I want them to feel like no matter what, there is somebody somewhere that is the same as them and that they can identify with. They're never alone. You know what I mean? Nobody at Method is alone. Nobody. That's why I say like when I sign everybody up, everybody that signs up at our gym, when they're done – like, signing up and I, I give them their gi, their belt, everything, their mouth guard, their boxing gloves, or shin guards, whatever the case may be. Or when they're done, whatever, just, you know, signing the program. Great. Welcome to the family, man. Like, I, we are really glad to have you. Like, I mean that 100%. Like, it's not, like, marketing. It's not salesmanship. Like, the used car salesman of yesterday, that generation of martial artists that would sell you, like, You know, try to sell you on anything that they could just to get you to sign a a contract because you're a number to them, that day is dead. You know what I mean? The ninja schools are dead. And I will say that again. Ninja schools (laughs) are dead. Have you been to Abingdon? Sorry. (laughs) That shit is over. It's done. Selling somebody on something that is false, that will not give them any sort of self-defense, that will not give them any sort of sense of like, like realistic sense of like purpose or a real way to get what they really want. Like, you know, by signing up, like I said, self-defense fitness, it will give you none of that. And it will give you all the problems with thinking you're, you're learning martial arts and self-defense. That to me is a scam. Like that to me is dog shit. But I mean that like 100% like when someone comes in and signs up, I am ready and willing to change their lives. Like however I can, like, like, Whichever way I can do it, I am one hundred percent committed to changing someone's life however I can. Whether it's saying hi to them when they walk in the door, maybe they've had a shitty day. I want them to be able to come into the gym and just let their guard down. Yeah. Because all of us have our guards up all day. It's all day. Yeah. And then you can then and then what? I want you to leave your nine to five argue with your wife about coming to jiu-jitsu and then get to jujitsu, and i'm like why are you 10 minutes late you think anybody wants to hear that bullshit no i'd rather somebody be 10 minutes late to my class and i'll st- then not be there at all and i'll still wave say hi smile call them by their first name like because i'm genuinely glad that they're there i'm not just saying it to retain students if all i wanted to do is retain students i'd probably have a thousand students at the gym but it's not like that it's not like that at all if it was a numbers game for me it'd be so cookie cutter i'd have probably five locate no way like if it was a numbers game for me it would be it'd be so empty yeah and there would be no reason to have an emotional connection to somebody so like like i said like i think what makes our atmosphere totally different is that I am literally trying to find a way tirelessly to the point where my hair is falling out to help people in any way I can. And that's why we're here. Like, that's why I'm here.
0: Yeah. I know that for a fact. Man, well, that just, that adds a lot of insight to it. I'm glad I heard you explain it that way. It makes me be aware of our situation a lot differently. Um I, I'll, I'll end on a funny question, but I just want to say, you know, to th- I, I agree. As somebody, I've been a part of a lot of scenes. I can't think of anything. I've done a lot of stuff. You know, I'm, I'm practically a borderline, you know, street shaman. Uh, you know, <laughs> a street I, I've done shaman. a lot of stuff, but I don't know if there's anything that has come close to affecting my life the way it that, that being a part of this has. You know, I've done a lot of cool stuff. Nothing has affected my life, and it's, and I've taken as much pride of being a part of something as my journey. There's nothing I would wanna give up in life less, or you know, than than my time, my tenure, my experiences, and being allowed to be the way I am. Um, I know I can be a difficult guy. I learn a lot through being critical. So I'm inevitably thinking of like the flaws I see in people and certain people's ways, I can't help it. And it and and uh, you know, despite all that, I'm very fortunate to be in a situation where I can be kind of an outlier in my own way. I can be the way I am and still feel at home. And, and even if it's you get your little click here, you do your little thing there, like you said, you walk in the door, you get a, hey, what's up? You have a smile on your face. It's everyone's a family. And in a family, it's all walks. And yeah. uh, it's been great being a part of it. It's been great. It's almost like fate that, that, that you know, we <laughs> had our funny backstory. And here I am. That's so funny
1: that you brought that. Yeah. Dude, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's because I have kids or what. But, like, you get, like, dad brain or whatever. And you forget like, things like dude, that. Dude, I tell oh my gosh, dude, that's yeah. so funny.
0: It might be the martial arts. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, it might be repeated punches it might to be the, the head. Starting
0: boxing in high school. Yeah, it might be that.
1: Might be uh, uh, beginnings of the CTE there. But whatever. Yeah,
0: whatever. but uh, no, man, we've <laughs> had we've had so many laughs and such good times. And sometimes I look at these, you know, real serious schools with like such. Just it's been so much fun getting good at this shit. It's just we have a fun atmosphere and like, hey, not every style, there's always going to be your people. It's not up for every individual to like try to understand why everyone is the way they are. But you've done a great job of housing and being that role of like trying to not cater, but like. But be aware and understanding of what's going on. And and yes, when there is somebody that that really wants to say, I want to learn from you. I want my life changed from you. The the willingness to go the extra mile. I've seen the conversations you have had to listen to and and the things you've had to go through. And and, uh, I appreciate it all. You and Michelle have just done a wonderful job of offering something like that. Uh, we got a cool fucking team, dude. We got a cool group of people. It is unique and it is only getting bigger. I'm I'm very, I'm very proud to be a part of it. And, uh, and after even just hearing this conversation, understanding your vision for it, um, it's tied up some loose ends in my head as far as understanding what I'm a part of too. So it's, really appreciate it. Um. I do want to ask you. I want to give you, you're going to make the selection on this, okay? (laughs) I have. So, like I said, I have these sub series, each one has their own sort of uh you know n- name for instance deep cuts i got that because that's a common radio station for like music it's kind of b-sidey fringy music when they call something a deep cut it's like you know the track the last track of some album that you know maybe had a hit but it's not the hit or whatever which kind of defines my musical tastes and stuff so and it had deep in it right lost in the deep end yeah deep cuts but I, I wanted to keep the word bloody in because I had a podcast with Alex Perry it was what got me into training was was interviewing some of the fighters I came to the gym you, you had me roll with a um, Mike Ferrante and lacarlo back back when I was That's just right. a guy on a podcast too right. yeah and I came in you were very welcoming I got to interview some of the guys back then and it was before I ever trained and that is what led me to stepping foot into method and training it's it was like the the buffer so I I had a podcast an mma podcast called color me bloody i want to keep blood or bloody in this sub series but i have three things in my head okay and if you can't come up with decision, it <laughs> it's okay but but i'd like for even if you just pick a random one okay i had i had uh bloody lip it would probably be bloody lip radio but i would probably just call it bloody lip when it would come up Uh huh. um i would call it uh Actually, you know what? Let's go between this. These are the two in my head. Bloody lip or blood on the mat. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, the other one I had was, um, if it's not going to come out of my head and within the next minute, it's not worth it. So it wasn't that good of one. There was, oh, oh, a, a pun, like, kind of like, you know, when you like, it, you know, an English guy or a European, like, the, the bloody details. So, like, because we go into the details. So the bloody details, blood on the mat or bloody lip is there one you like the most? I would I want you to take uh, the honor of of picking between those three terrible subtrees. <laughs> um uh,
1: I don't know. I mean What is it,
0: what is it? Uh, blood on the mat. Blood on the mat. Bloody details. Bloody details. Or bloody lip? Mm. bloody lips kind of straightforward there's no pun there at all (laughs) i know i'm thinking of all these
1: words and i'm like that's a different type of podcast i'm thinking of like in deep deep uh bloody lips i'm like holy shit Um, yeah yeah let's see uh i mean bloody details i like
0: i like like bloody details that's cool
1: i think that's cool um uh details are you married to blood
0: what would be something else? Is there any other direction? Like, is there anything that comes to mind that sounds cooler? We could get rid of blood, like sunk in deep or something like that. Like, because okay. that's like you know. Oh, you know what? Actually, I like the deep pun. You you want to go deep pun and You saying, said
1: you said you wanted yeah. to have something deep
0: in it. Well, no, I'm saying I did in deep cuts. Yeah, right? that's
1: what I'm saying. But you know.
0: Yeah, but actually, you know what? I like it. I. I Sunk, I, that's like actually a better, if we can use deep, screw color me bloody. That podcast was, you know, think of the past. Now, <laughs> No, I don't think it was sunk a bad in podcast. i oh like, sunk in deep, you know. Sunk in deep. Sunk in deep radio. Yeah. Well, be, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, it's a, ch- you know, you, you yeah. sink it, yeah. And yeah. I'm a, ch- I, I get
1: them in. I, I like that. Yeah. That's so what I'm saying. I mean, you think chokes jujitsu, you know, sunk in deep. You know what I mean? Joe Rogan used to say it all the time. He about not, Art, you know I don't what? know if it's like illegal to say his name on your podcast or whatever. No. For any algorithms or whatever. But uh, yeah. Like uh, alright, so like uh, on the old UFCs, like someone catch something and he'd be like, It's in deep Yeah. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> like,
0: yeah, yeah so, uh, you I know what? Mean, Let's do deep. it. I like that. I I actually really like that. As a matter of fact, the only reason I didn't have an option with deep in it is because I couldn't think like just brain like brainstorming, I didn't think of any deep puns or or i say puns i couldn't think of any ways to incorporate deep and make it sound like it so that's when i went the direction of bloody i wanted to get inspiration somewhere my initial goal was to come with something deep sunk in deep and i might call it sunk in deep radio sunk in deep talk but when it comes out it's sunk in deep i like that it's kind of a unique sort of spin this this uh segment has now uh been named sunk (laughs) in deep and uh I I appreciate having you on. I don't, um, I'll put in the show notes. Uh, I know you're not big on like social media and all that. You can find a Method MMA. Eddie Method MMA, uh, comes up. Eddie Abney, you can find him different ways. Uh, I'll I'll try to put, um, some some
1: links up and stuff. I do want to say, um, I do want to say, talk about, uh, my coaches real quick. Just yes, their names. yes, for sure. Just, just, just for a second. I know we're done, but uh, no. I just want to mention them because we briefly mentioned them. But again, I owe everything to these individuals. So uh, the first one, I mean, obviously the, the, the more important one for literally getting me into this whole thing would be uh, my wife, Michelle Abney. Um, and then Paulo Jensen, Eric Paulson. Um, Paulo Jensen, I believe now he is a either third or fourth degree uh, black belt under Leo Vieira, um, uh, Eric Paulson, who is probably like a seventh degree at this point uh, under Higa Machado, but um, he is like the, the founder of Combat Submission Wrestling, which is, in, in my opinion, where the whole combat jiu-jitsu thing kind of uh, gained its training wheels and took off with, and you know, the thing that Eddie Bravo does, like the combat jiu-jitsu. I believe a lot of that stemming from, like, combat submission wrestling. Not saying he copied it, but, you know, it was, came after CSW. Like, CSW was a little bit more before that time. Um, And that incorporates, like, everything like judo, jujitsu, boxing, savate, Muay Thai, uh, Greco freestyle, like, um, you know, collegiate, uh, you know, wrestling folk style, all that stuff. Um, So Eric Paulson was a huge influence for me. Uh, as was Paulo, as was Michelle, Daniel Suarez, uh, at Southern California Combat Club, and, a club in Buena Park, California, um, easily my biggest influence in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and grappling, um, just because of you know how he approaches and how he looks at Jiu-Jitsu, and he is like another savant when it comes to grappling, and and a lot of the hardcore Jiu-Jitsu guys know who he is. He's a fourth degree or he's a fourth degree black belt now under Chris Howder. Um, who was one of the first 12 non-Brazilian black belts in the United States, part of the original Jiu-Jitsu Dirty Dozen. And then my striking coaches. Now, over the years, I've had uh, two striking coaches I've had. Um, and the the boxing coaches I had, it, it was pretty brief, and it was usually, it was like three or three of them. And, you know, it was just kind of all over the place. And I wasn't really taking it as seriously. Um, and, uh, I, and they never really cared to invest too much in me anyway. So, um, you know, they can fuck off. But... When it comes to uh, Muay Thai, I would say Alvin Chan uh, was a really big help for me and uh, showed me kind of like what good pad holding should look like and and you know proper like Thai style Muay Thai should be. He was in the TBA. He's a uh, uh, Kung Crew is what they would call it. He should be an Ajahn by now. And uh, Dwayne Ludwig. And last but certainly not least, Dwayne Ludwig. Um, I don't think people. Really need to know a whole lot about him because it's, if if they don't know anything about him right now, they're living under a fucking rock. But uh, you know, Dwayne is easily the biggest influence in striking I've ever had. He is an absolute ninja when it comes to you know breaking down and dissecting combinations, punches. I think he is responsible for. He's responsible for the growth of an entire striking system, for sure. But I believe that for me personally, he has done, he has made me, I would say a lot of the coach that I am through a lot of the things I just, you know, have, have gotten from him, whether it be an outlook on training, drilling, um, coaching, whatever. I mean, and Danny's giving me those things. Michelle has given me those things. Um, you know, uh, but those are the coaches that that have had the, the absolute most impact on me through this entire thing. And, uh, you know, the same thing, like when I talk about, uh, my wife, I just assume that because you know about her that, um, you know, everybody else would, but she is also a black belt in jiu-jitsu under Danny. Um, and, uh, what is it? She is, you know, an absolute monster when it comes to, like I said, conceptual learning and, you know, building people from the ground up. She's very, very good at that. I, I don't think I'd be where I am, uh, without that initial like introduction to jujitsu. And as far as uh, Muay Thai, I'm a black-ranked shirt under Dwayne um, and have been for the last three years. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, three years. Um, so, again, like I said, those are the, the main coaches for me, at least, that have molded me into what I am now. Um, so I, I don't think I would be where I am without them. So that's why I feel I need to have to like
0: give them some yes. credit as well. You know what it made me think of? We talked about Joe Rogan. It's like at the end of like a an interview at the end of a fight, he always like, all right, is there anybody you'd like to thank? Or like back in the days they used to always ask people like to thank whoever they'd like to thank. Yeah. Like that should be like a part of the show at the end of every episode. Is there anybody you'd like to thank? Instead yeah. of like plug, yeah, like, well that, you thank that's, your people. No, but that's definitely who, who I, I, that's
1: definitely who I thank because I mean, yeah. we are a product of, you know, right. the patterns at which we have followed in life and the people we've met. So, you know, no, you were not the same person that you were a year ago because of the people you've met. Same thing with me, but I wouldn't be who I am as a coach without those individuals. So, you know, just as long as they get a shout out, I'm happy.
0: Yeah. uh, This will be the first of many. We actually had a, speaking of Dwayne Ludwig, we had a fun, uh, uh, a non-recorded podcast. (laughs) That was like one of the (laughs) coolest days of my life, dude, because as a lifelong MMA fan, as whatever, to get the invite to come hang out uh, in your, at your old house, with Dwayne Ludwig for a few hours, and just that was gangster, right? That was that was so cool, dude. Like I'm not somebody that is, you know, I, I try to make it in my head, like, oh, it only means so much to meet somebody that's like famous to you or whatever, cool. But it was just too cool to be like, you know, and it wasn't even. There was no pecking order in that conversation. There could have been. You know there could have been, but we were just three guys having a great time, yeah. a great conversation, and uh, oh, I, I would, uh, yeah, that 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 was a cool moment for me getting getting invited uh, over after that seminar and getting mm-hmm. to hang out with everybody. So that will th- cool. go down as one of the coolest days. Um, you're 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 a hell of a coach. We got a hell of a team. Um, like to give a shout out to Matt Matt Abney. Eddie's son. Is he no, he's not, but I'm oh, giving okay. a shout-out on, on the thing. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> oh, my boy, you're a great dad. You got uh, two wonderful kids. And, uh, yeah, uh, maybe before the next time we talk, if there's anything you could even think that, like, oh, I would like to make a general, like, let's talk about this. But clearly we could talk forever. Yeah. We could talk forever. Yeah. And we could we could ch- channel it on something like culture or something in, like, the types of learning. Uh, it's one it of the things, things Kevin coach. makes fun of me
1: for at the gym. He's like, oh, you just don't stop talking. I'm like, I'm trying. I'm trying, I'm trying to, like. Cut it off. But me
0: and you together. We're, I know. Out. Me and you together, dude. So I, I can't wait to have you on again. And I, 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 we could go on forever. So maybe think of something. Uh, and I'll give maybe give you some ideas. But I'll have you back on soon. And we'll have a different audio set This I know this doesn't sound bad. But uh, I, I forgot my power cord <laughs> to my uh, mixer. So we're doing the uh, old uh, mic in between us sort of thing recorder. But um, you do like fight planning. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, um, I, I, I'll tell you something that I will ask you in a future one. So I want to put it out there now before I forget is I would love to ask you what you would do. So think about this. We can't answer it now because we'll do another hour of um, <laughs> what you would do if for a year's time you were not coaching and you were just developing your own game and you were your own style. What directions would you go? I thought about that when I asked you about do you feel like you get to go in deep on individual pieces of the sport because you still have to teach everybody everything. You are the type of versatile person. What would you do? Would you still go in that direction? You get the idea. I'll have a solid answer for you. But but that's something I'd like to talk about in the future. So... uh, Thank you for being the first guest of I Love It, Sunken Deep. I almost made the joke when you were doing all your thank you stuff. I almost said, I'm sorry, dude, I didn't pay attention to that. I just kept thinking of how badass the name Sunken Deep is. <laughs> <laughs> I do like it. So, <laughs> that's awesome. That's <laughs> thank awesome. you. Thank you. Uh, I'll see you, if not tomorrow, within the next couple days. So. Yeah, awesome, brother. Cool. Love you, man. Thank you. Love you.